Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. Story about this doctor in Syria. He, he actually used Shaper to design an entire hospital. And that's amazing because he has no training in, in CAD. And actually, Shaper allowed him to design an entire hospital and build it, right? That was one of our most moving stories, I would say. I, I'm, it really feels like that we built something that is actually helping people to, to make the world a little bit better, which is incredibly rewarding. It's, it's, it's probably it's the most rewarding part of, of, of our job. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. On this episode is a deep dive into one of the 2020 Apple Design Award winners, Shaper 3D. Shaper 3D is a desktop class CAD drawing application for iPad that was showcased at the April 20th event. It is an Apple Pencil first app, and now with the trackpad has a special mode designed with a trackpad and keyboard in mind. In this episode is my interview with Ishtban, the CEO of Shaper 3D. It was fascinating for me to hear not only about this wonderful app, but also learn about CAD applications, 3D printing, and a bunch of interesting manufacturing topics. Before we dive into this episode, I want to let everyone know that you can support this podcast over at patreon.com slash iPadPros. With your support for as little as a dollar a month, you'll also get the episodes early and get chapter markers in the episodes. Acast, my hosting provider, is now removing those from the MP3s hosted there, and you'll continue to get those chapter markers over at patreon.com slash iPadPros. My sincere thanks to anyone that currently or has in the past supported the podcast there. Even just a dollar a month goes a long way and is very helpful with the production of this podcast and is greatly appreciated. You can also support the podcast for free just by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review is extremely helpful in setting the right signals to Apple to show this podcast more in search, helping others discover the show. With that, here's my interview all about CAD modeling and Shaper 3D. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Istvan. Can you first introduce yourself and share a little on how you use the iPad? Sure. Uh, hey, uh, great to uh, great to be here, and uh, thanks for having me. So I'm uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Shaper 3D. We are building a 3D CAD application for for iPad, actually particularly for the iPad Pro. We were, I think, one of the uh, first iPad Pro only apps. We are heavily relying the on the Apple Pencil. Uh, and basically what we uh, did with Shaper is we reinvented 3D modeling workflow from from scratch for multi-touch and stylus interactions. And basically the uh, the magic <laughs> behind behind Shaper 3D is that the combination of, of touch and, uh, and uh, pencil interactions uh, are making the 3D modeling workflow super easy to learn and and uh, and really hard to forget. Yeah, have you always been a fan of the iPad form factor, or was it the pencil specifically that caught your eye as to this can be a platform you can do something really interesting with? Oh, absolutely. So, so uh, fun fact: when the iPhone, the first iPhone was announced, uh, I immediately started to build applications with the uh, jailbroken SDK. For, for the first <laughs> iPhone. And, um, and actually, uh, just three days after the App Store was launched, my first app was there in the App Store. So I, I started application development very early, and the iPad itself, the, the announcement of the iPad actually made me even more excited about 
the future of these new kind of devices, right? Because by the time it was a it was a pretty revolutionary uh, idea that we should just actually replace our computers with these with these computers that have a touch interface. And um, and of course, like the first, even the first iPad was a was a perfectly fine personal computer for I would say like 90 percent of mm-hmm. of the population, right? But it 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 was mostly focused on on content consumption. Like eighty percent of the people or ninety percent of the people are are just using their computers to consume content, right? Yeah. And in two thousand fifteen, when the iPad Pro was launched, well. I heard rumors about it uh, in 2014, so I quit my job because of those rumors. I quit my full-time job and started to work on Shaper because I thought that, look, the iPad has been great, but it was not a content creation device. But if these rumors are true about the iPad Pro and these rumors are true about this new interface that will that will support also stylus interactions. And if this device will also have a keyboard, then this is going to be the most versatile computer in the world. And this is going to be the uh, this is going to be the future of personal computing because it can really just do more than than a than a traditional computer. And I know that I, I sound like I'm repeating the Apple marketing getting messages, but but the thing is that that uh, this was actually my my founding thesis behind Shaper 3D that we are we will go through a platform shift. We will uh, and and our computers will look more and more like iPads. And this uh, this uh, shift towards content creation with the iPad was was the uh, was this exciting new feature of the iPad Pro that made me start basically the company. And your background with CAD. Do you have an extensive background with that, and kind of why was this your project you wanted to take on? So this this goes back a long, long time, actually twenty five years. So, <laughs> uh, so I started uh, I started coding when I was six or seven years old uh, on a Commodore sixty four computer, <laughs> and I started three D modeling when I was twelve years old. And my brother taught me. AutoCAD and 3ds Max, actually. So, so I, I got obsessed with CAD systems quite early, and I basically I used CAD systems for for fun as a as a hobby. During my uh, final years in the university, I I even started another CAD startup like ten years ago, that uh, that failed unfortunately. But mm-hmm. I learned a lot from from that experience, and uh, and basically it it was quite obvious to me that that I just want to go back to the startup world. And it was quite obvious to me that this CAD industry is really something that is, you know, like it hasn't been really disrupted for like 30 years. It, it It's basically completely unchanged for decades. And uh, this new platform, the iPad Pro, seemed to be like a great opportunity to build something new and and better than what the incumbents can offer. Yeah. So for those not familiar with CAD drawings, can you give us kind of the basics of CAD and kind of what industries you find this kind of work done in? So CAD is um, CAD stands for Computer Aided Design, right? Uh, but 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 actually, if you look at traditional CAD systems, these are not really design tools, but much more. These are much more focused on documentation of your design. Like these are computer aided documentation tools. Basically, traditional CAD systems are were designed in the 1990s to automate the generation of of manufacturing drawings, and uh, and because of that, it, it, these tools are really really focused on 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 creating these two dimensional 
blueprints basically of your of your designs uh, from the 3D geometry that you create in in a CAD system. And I, I think that basically this is where we are the most different from traditional CAD systems is that we are much more focused on on designing on on, on the design process on creating the 3D geometry and making it as easy as as possible. Uh, using the uh, touch and stylus interactions. Okay. And for those that have 3D printers, that's kind of the consumer way to print stuff and that's starting to be used for prototyping stages in the professional realm. Are you able to go direct from a CAD drawing to a printed object or is there some translation work that needs to be done for that to happen? So that's actually, that's the easy easiest thing to do, to be honest. Like in, in in the world of manufacturing, mm-hmm. uh, 3D printing uh, requires probably uh, the least training, or at least the barrier of entry to 3D printing is 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 relatively low compared to other manufacturing technologies. This is partial partially because of the low price, low entry price of of 3D printers, but also the operation of these devices is it's just fairly straightforward. So basically, whatever you create in a 3D CAD system, you can you can directly send it to a to a 3D printer with with very little pre-processing. Okay. Oh, that's really cool to hear and uh yeah, I know a lot of public libraries uh are starting to buy those as a reason for people to come in the libraries uh, these days. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And actually you can buy one for like 300 bucks or or something like that or even even uh cheaper. So uh these are super affordable devices nowadays. Oh, not bad. Yeah. And to get that into the 3D printer, do you do just a simple export from from Shaper into the 3D printing app on the Mac or Windows machine probably? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So many 3D printer manufacturing companies now provide cloud-based slicers. Uh, like Slicer is the, uh, is the name of the program that will transform your 3D model to something that your 3D printer can consume. But these are pretty much, I would say, like plug and play, uh, really, really easy to use. So basically, you can export an STL file from Shaper that is really just a bunch of triangles. And uh, that you can just load that STL file to your slicer. That can be a cloud-based slicer. And then you don't have to go to your Mac or to your Windows computer uh, because these work even in the um, in the iPad browser, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can start print, printing with a, with a single click. Very cool. And is Shaper 3D Design to be kind of the only tool you need in the CAD design process or just the first step before you do finalizations and some you know, powerful desktop app on, you know, Mac or Windows? It's becoming more and more a complete solution. So the problem with CAD and the problem with building a CAD system in general is that you just can't do it in <laughs> in a reasonable amount of time, simply yeah. because the the uh, depth and breadth of, of a CAD, CAD system is enormous. So even building something that is even, you know, like marginally useful <laughs> It's really, really hard, and it takes a lot of time. So, um, so instead of just uh, sitting down and and trying to build an entire CAD system at Shaper, we uh, we chose a different strategy. And uh, basically, how we started with Shaper is that we built a conceptual design tool, a prototyping tool, or, or a sketching tool that 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 is that that allows you to create sketches, three uh, D sketches on your iPad. But we built it in a way that so that that we can just add more and more functionality to it to make it uh cover more and more of the design process 
So uh, we started with a tool that that covered like the first 70% of the design process previously. And now we have a tool that can be a full feature solution for many. It's clearly not a feature par with uh, desktop CAD systems, but mm-hmm. actually it covers a really significant subset of those systems that makes it possible to a significant customer base uh, to use it as a, as a full feature tool without any third party tools. Um, and as we are releasing new features every two weeks, we are step by step catching up with with the uh, with the traditional CAD system. We are not aiming to uh, achieve feature parity with those systems, but we are aiming to provide like that 30, 40, 50 percent of the functionality that will allow us to do a uh, to serve like 90% of, of the CAD designers in the world. Gotcha. And I'm not super familiar with CAD. I've used it in, you know, in shop class in sixth grade. So it's, it's been a, a couple of years, but I was super impressed with the onboarding process your team created for the app. Uh, you know, it's kind of specified for the industry you choose at the beginning and kind of walks you through some just concepts of this app and how to do your work in it. What was that process like of creating this onboarding process to explain this, you know, complex app, but at the same time, a very simple app to use? That's actually uh, a huge part of, of what we do. So so Shaper as a company innovates on two fronts. One of them is quite obvious, even from the outside, is, is the product itself, right? It's it's clear even at the first glance that Shaper is something different. It's not it's not like the, uh, the legacy CAT systems. But on the other hand, and that, that's similarly important, is that we are innovating also on the distribution side. And the distribution side uh, means that we are not selling Shaper like traditional companies. Like traditional, how, how, how traditional companies are selling their CAD systems? They, are, they, are, they have huge reseller networks. They have Salesforce that is onboarding uh, customers manually. And, and you have to go to a CAD training for like a year to be able to uh, something very simple. So we are replacing this with technology. And this, a big part of that is, is our onboarding process, uh, which is fully automated. And, and we are obsessively focusing on continuously imp- improving that onboarding process, like how we are exposing the, the features uh, and, the, and the basics to, to the user who is, who is downloading Shaper 3D for the first time. That's an incredibly powerful tool because it not just saves you a lot of uh, your your sales costs, but it also allows you to... Uh, to uh, teach 3D design to people who who were not able to use CAD systems before. So this is also a market expansion opportunity that is largely enabled by our onboarding process, which is, of course, a big part of it is in, in the app itself, but there are many other uh, parts of it that are implemented outside the app in our email campaigns or the way how our tutorials are accessible or the way how our educational materials uh, can be accessed. Yeah, and it is a free download and you have a free account you can use before you get into kind of the more pro-level features as you get more into it. Yeah, absolutely. So we have three tiers. We have a free tier that is uh, that is uh, completely free. Uh, it includes two designs and basically all the modeling features of the application. That is great for for basically anyone who just, you know, just want, want to learn Shaper and want to want to get familiar with the application and, and want to better understand the, the features of, of the product. And then we have a standard tier for 240 bucks a year that is uh, great for conceptual design, but also great for 
for hobby users who are doing, for example, woodworking uh, as a hobby. We, uh, we have the export formats in it that are supporting these use cases. And then we have the business tier that is $4.99 for a year. And that includes manufacturing growings, for example, and, and desktop uh, CAD system export and import features or more, more like a broader set of uh, desktop CAD file formats uh, compared to the standard plan. Gotcha. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, when you get started with the app, it asks you what industry you work in in your ongoing yeah. project is specific to that. As you create projects, are there other differences within the UI that are enabled by your industry? So it's it's mostly con- it, it basically the reason why we need that information because then we can tailor the onboarding process and the kind of and the and the content that we are we are sending to you. So somebody who is in woodworking don't want to probably uh, see tutorials about injection molding, right? Right. Uh, but if, if somebody works in uh, in CNC milling, then probably woodworking related content is rest, less relevant. And basically the entire onboarding process and the content that we send to you that helps you to, to learn Shaper 3D uh, is tailored based on that information. But otherwise the UI itself or the features of the applications are not changing based on that information. Okay. And... Um, something I just thought of, like in woodworking, is there a way to designate, you know, this is maple wood versus oak, and if you're doing a project that kind of uses both, or is it assuming from the get-go that you're just using one type of wood in your project? Not yet. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, that's one of the uh, most requested features to uh, have materials uh, in the app. Uh, basically, that that would have two different purposes. The One of them is, is really the... Uh, just the visualization, the rendering perspective, so uh, you know, to make your design look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but on the other hand, it has very practical implications, like like cost estimations, bill of materials, and other features that would rely on 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 material information. Gotcha. Yeah. So the Apple Pencil is something foundational to the app, and the Apple Pencil two added a feature to the Apple Pencil that double tap. Uh, does your app take advantage of that in any sort of ways? Oh yeah, we we, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually had several prototypes for that. Honestly, I think that's one of the uh, less great features of the Apple Pencil. It's, we, what we have seen is that it's really really easy to accidentally trigger the action. Yeah. If that happens, it it makes you feel like the app is buggy right. because. Because very often, not even those who have a second generation Apple Pencil know about that gesture. So, so, so the iPad OS did not do a very good job with educating people about this gesture. Most people just don't know it exists. And it's really easy to trigger accidentally. And the combination of these factors just mm-hmm. leads to that perception that something is wrong and I don't understand what's going on. So we just decided to uh, to disable disable that gesture completely. Okay. Yeah, that's probably for the best. I hear from people about 50-50 that some love it and some are just like, turn this off. This is just annoying because I do accidentally trigger it all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just uh, some people hold the pencil different ways. In some ways they hold the pencil, they're like tapping on it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Exactly. I, I have heretic views on this, to be honest, because <laughs> I think that an actual like, a physical button <laughs> right. would be amazing to have on the yeah. pencil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's uh, not as Apple-ish right. as the, uh, as the uh, double tap, but, but I think that a physical button, especially Having an eraser button, maybe on the back on the end of the 
pencil that would be amazing i i would love to have that yeah or even the end of the pencil has a different sensor that uh is just erasing and it knows about it absolutely this is something that we see a lot by the way on usability tests when we are bringing in people to a test shipper 3d for the first time everybody like i I would say like eight out of ten people is trying to erase things Mm. with the back of the pencil yeah which which is completely reasonable right yeah did you have the tutorials from day one or was it through the user testing later on that those started to be added? We always had something, but what we have in the app right now, it's the result of hundreds of iterations mm-hmm. uh, um, without any exaggeration. That that, yeah. that was really one of the uh, things that we, you know, like invested thousands of or, or hundreds of, of man hours into. It, it, it was quite, maybe even thousands, to be honest. Yeah. All those usability tests, segmenting these tutorials, implementing them, testing them. So it is definitely in the thousands. So we always had something, but we realized actually we have very, like very objective data-based insights, how important that is. Yeah, so that, that's been a huge part of what we have been doing. Yeah, so this app was built from the day one because of the Apple Pencil. Uh, last year, Apple introduced trackpad support with the Magic Keyboard to the iPad. And your team has really embraced this and offers a mode for kind of when you want to take a break from the pencil and use a keyboard and trackpad or mouse instead. And... A really nice touch, we just mentioned the tutorials, is first time you're hooked up to that magic keyboard or a different trackpad, it'll detect that and offer you a new tutorial to learn this new paradigm of using your app yeah. with this interaction model. Um, yes. So, yeah, what what was your experience like with the trackpad and creating this um, experience for people? So, so we always expected it. Honestly, I, I expected it since since 2015 because part of the founding thesis of Shaper 3D was that uh, we are going to see uh, a convergence between platforms and we will see that macOS and iPadOS are going to eventually merge. And I think I, I still believe in that. It, it just, you know, like probably takes a couple of more years or maybe a few more years to get there because Apple is doing it incrementally, which is a really smart decision, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But we always expected it, and 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 we always thought that the keyboard and mouse versus touch and stylus interactions are not competing with each other. These are complementary. So um, I, I don't think that 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 touch and stylus interactions would be superior uh, to to mouse and keyboard. I think they have a different purpose, to be yeah. honest. And 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 they, and they have a different and they have different strengths and weaknesses. So for, for some use cases, I think it's, it, it just makes a lot of sense to use a keyboard and a mouse. And for other use cases, it makes a lot of sense to use Touch and, touch and, uh, and, uh, and Apple Pencil. So when Apple announced it, we were super excited because it was something that we have been waiting for quite a while. And, and, I, and I think that the team has done an amazing job with, with maintaining that ease of use and that 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 really like that really super simple and and delighting experience even with with uh, the keyboard and mouse that we have with the uh, Apple Pencil. Yeah. And you mentioned the different kind of you mentioned how perhaps the Apple Pencil is better at some things, the keyboard mouse is better at other things. I'm thinking of perhaps the initial sketch where you're just getting your ideas out, doing that in the pencil, then your refinement work where you're typing in 
the exact dimensions and things like that where you're refining might be more appropriate with the keyboard and mouse. Is that you know, one of the situations you're thinking of? Yeah, absolutely. So that that that's one way to think about it. I think and and uh, yes, like I think that's that's correct. On the other hand, I think there's another aspect to think about it, and it's the aspect of of user personas. Simply, some type of users prefer to use the keyboard and the mouse, mm-hmm. while other type of users prefer to use touch and touch and pencil interactions. And uh, it's not something that you can argue with, to be honest. It's just really a personal preference. And uh, and some some people just love to use a keyboard and a mouse because they feel that they are faster with it. I don't think that's true, to be honest. Yeah. So, <laughs> but but so it, it's it's a matter of perception, and that perception is just as important as as the facts, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it does. It's 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 not something that that we should argue with. And uh and that's that's great. It's not. I I think that. Uh, there is a lot of work that can be done to make the keyboard and, and mouse paradigm 10 times better than it is in a traditional CAD system. And I don't think that, I don't think that, that we will use our uh, value proposition because what is our value proposition? Our value proposition is that we are making, using 3D CAD, a delighting experience and not, not a huge pain in the neck, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and and it can be done with both interaction paradigms. And the pointer in iPadOS is a bit of a rethinking of what mouses are uh, versus the desktop paradigm of a mouse. The developer is able to change its appearance and it magnetizes to click points. Um, was your team able to add some little touches that they weren't able to otherwise do on the old Mac system of pointers? So we are still working on those. Uh, these uh, little, so, so keyboard and mouse are still a bit uh, new for us. So I wouldn't say that it's as polished as our pencil and, and uh, touch uh, interface, but mm-hmm. but we're working on those. And I, and we we think that there is a lot of potential in the uh, iPads uh, cursor. So the first time when I, I saw it, I was I was pretty much blown away simply because I did not think that it, it's possible to innovate with a, with a mouse cursor, right? Yeah. You would think that it's literally the most refined piece of uh, <laughs> UI in the world because it was really the foundation of of the first graphical user interfaces. But still, Apple somehow managed to make it feel uh, like like it's something new, something exciting, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and and we haven't done a really good job with uh, with implementing those nuances so far, but but you can expect a lot of improvements. Okay, excellent. Yeah, it's really interesting what some apps have been able to do so far with just you know uh, ferrite, for example. When you hold down the option key, I believe um, it transforms it into kind of a selection mouse, and yeah. kind of it can visually tell you what your mouse is doing at that time, which is really powerful for people that aren't super familiar with um, kind of the keyboard shortcuts and how that all works. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you guys did implement keyboard shortcuts at the same time. So what's the kind of interaction model for the keyboard interacting with the mouse and that combo? Yeah, I would say it's um, relatively traditional. With with the keyboard, actually what we are doing is uh, it's it's quite similar to what any desktop application would do simply because that that is what what people expect mm-hmm. um, so we could argue that that uh, keyboard commands are not the most intuitive way to uh, interact with the with an, with an application and that's completely true 
but we spent the last 40, 50 years with educating people about <laughs> these, <laughs> these keyboard shortcuts, yes. right? So it, mm-hmm. I would say that it's now in the uh, in the DNA of <laughs> of, of those who, who were born in the last twenty years. Yeah. I guess it has been it has become so fundamental. So like a uh, uh, command C and command V commands are just like everybody knows them, right? Yeah. And and there are quite a few uh, interactions that are especially for prosumer. Uh, users are just expected to work in certain ways. So I, I would say that for maybe for for a newborn, these are not intuitive. But for everyone who has been using computers in the last twenty years, these are these these are super intuitive keyboard commands. Simply because every application is designed to uh, to accept them. Right. Do you see some users using both the pencil and a keyboard as a combo versus trackpad oh, yeah. and keyboard? Yeah. Oh yes, yes, some, and that's that's super funny because we are <laughs> we are getting uh, requests to uh, to support keyboard and pencil together. Uh, but the thing is that the way how we have been thinking about it is that we have been thinking about how to implement the touch and stylus interaction paradigm and how to mm-hmm. implement the keyboard and mouse paradigm, and having keyboard and pencil together would be a third one. And we are not not sure that a lot of people actually to use use it like that. To be honest, it's it's a bit weird. I don't think that it's uh, possible to work like eight hours uh, simply because you know it, the way how you have to hold your arm. It's <laughs> it's not the most comfortable position, I guess. For yeah, that. my thought was people with Bluetooth keyboards, your iPads flat on the table or on a drafting table, and you have a external yeah. Bluetooth kind of next to it, or even. Um, a Bluetooth number pad and you have shortcuts on the number pad that you can just hot, you know, click easily into or something like that. Yeah. 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 So, so I don't think that we will support that combination to be honest. It, yeah. it works for us, but it's, it's, it has, uh, it has glitches simply mm-hmm. because, simply because some, some parts of the interface will expect you to use your mouse and some parts of the interface will, will expect you to use the keyboard. Gotcha. Yeah. So I know in beta right now, there's an M1 Mac version of Shaper 3D, and that's coming out pretty soon. Was this app a result of your work with the trackpad on iPad, or were you already working on the Mac version and this iPad uh, trackpad made that work so much easier? What was the process for this? So it helped a lot. It certainly helped a lot. And it uh, gave us the uh, the final push to deliver a Mac application. We always wanted to to uh, to create a Mac app, but certainly the introduction of of trackpad and keyboard for the iPad was was the final push. So um and and it's a it's a catalyst application. So we are running the same code base basically with a uh, lot of tweaks, of course, uh, on on the Mac. So it it took us like six months to uh to create a. Uh, an application that feels, I would say, like 99% native now. So initially, the first Catalyst-based uh, version of Shaper was really just the iPad app running on Mac, which which is not not a great experience, of course. So we put a lot of effort into making it more Mac-like. But now it's it's uh, I I would say that most people would not be able to tell that this this is an iPad application. Yeah. Uh, so like all the, all the all the menus, all the uh, 
all the lists, everything is now uh, Mac native. And uh, and uh, we are about to release it publicly. So now the beta is already public, but the 1.0 version is coming very, very soon. Nice. And how important was the shared chip architecture with the M1 Mac versus having an Intel version of the app? It was tough. So one of the things that we uh, realized uh, when we were running our first performance tests is that performance on, on Intel computers did not come for free. So, <laughs> so basically... Performance on on iPad for many many cases, especially with graphics, it just came for free. Like like we could do a lot of crazy stuff, and it was just fast without spending too much effort on on optimizing things, particularly for the iPad. And when we backported basically cheaper to to Intel, uh, it turned out that well we we have a lot of work to do to to get get a similar level of performance and 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 honestly running shaper on 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 a on an M1 Mac is a is definitely a better experience than than running it on, on an Intel Mac simply because because the the level of smoothness that the these uh, M1 computers provide is uncomparable to the to the Intel Macs. It is working really well, by the way, uh, on on Intel Macs as well. So, and if if you compare it to compare its performance to any other CAD system running on the Mac, we are better actually in in many aspects. We are faster. We have better graphics in many from many aspects. But on the M1, it's even better. So yeah. the performance. Yeah, but it's just incredible. There was that thought, though, that perhaps make it M1 only to not make you guys go through the process of code optimization to make sure it runs smoothly on that platform. Oh, yeah. We, we talked about that internally, uh, but we eventually decided that so, so the replacement cycle of the Max is much longer. Yes. Uh, much longer than, than for, for an iPhone, right? So we just expect that we will see a lot of Intel use cases in the future, and and we don't want to leave those people behind. Mm-hmm. And it was not; it was it took some effort on our side uh, to optimize everything for for Intel computers properly. But it was not, you know, it was not like two years for tech right. people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as you start using the iPad app, what are some tips and tricks you have for getting around the UI and making the most out of it that's perhaps not covered in the tutorial or is everything you should be knowing in those tutorials? If I knew about anything like that, we would have fixed that already. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so hopefully, hopefully no. Um, yeah. There are, of course, a few more hidden features and it's like not, not, not like that. It's not, not everything is fully exposed to the UI. Uh, and, and I would say that there are some some features in some tools that are not, that might be not fully straightforward, but just watching a couple of tutorials on YouTube will help you to fully understand how how the application works. But but I think even if you just discover it for yourself, you can easily discover I don't like eighty ninety percent of of the uh, product. There are some. Things, of course, that are harder to discover if you're not looking for them. But if you are actually expect a feature to be there, then you will you will have an easy time finding it. <laughs> gotcha, yeah. And your app does support split screen, which is awesome. Uh, have you seen users pairing your app with other apps for either like design reference or what, what kind of apps do you see most often um, in this situation? Yes, so like... 
tutorials, for example, right? So like watching the tutorials on YouTube and and uh, having the application open on the other other side, or you know, using a note taking app next to Shaper and and making design notes, right? That's that's another use case. Um, so what we see is that the iPad Pros, especially those that have a keyboard uh, attached to them, those are used as desktop replacements. And um, that means that the the use cases for split screen are basically infinite. Yeah. And kind of the foundational piece of your app is the Siemens kind of foundational layer that's used in their apps. Is this yeah. something that they kind of license out or how did you kind of partner with them to make that happen? So yeah, so Shaper runs on, on, on Paris Solid. That is a software component by, by Siemens PLM. That is, you, you can think of, of Paris Solid as the uh, foundational layer of every, or most of the CAT systems. So roughly 70% of of the active CAT seats nowadays are running on, on Parasolid, which is quite amazing because if you look around yourself and and you just you know like just look at your your iPhone or or Mac or iPad or TV or <laughs> or or thermostat or whatever you have around you, there is a ninety five percent chance that that design went through Parasolid at some stages of the design and manufacturing process. So it's yeah. it's incredible, and 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 this is true for every single object in the world that <laughs> designed, manufactured in the world. So it, it's amazing. It's it's an amazing piece of technology, and um, and obviously it was not available on on iOS uh, five years ago. Right. So we had to convince Siemens to port it to uh to I- iPad and iOS, and uh, I have to tell you that it was not easy. <laughs> <laughs> So the the iPad iPad was and I, I would say still is by many people it is considered to be a toy. It's not considered to be a, a serious device that you can use for work. And this perception is changing, of course, especially now that that uh, you can attach a, a keyboard and a trackpad to your iPad. But but like five years ago, like iPads were well, what was the positioning of the iPad? So basically, people perceived the iPads and as for, as devices that you can just used to read the news when you're sitting on the toilet to be honest right <laughs> this, this is this is how yeah. this is how most people perceived it building a serious cat system for these devices was a highly contrarian uh, idea so um but but eventually Siemens saw a lot of potential in what we were building which was partially due to our great relationship with with Apple of course so that that was certainly uh, a validation for for them and then with some help from us they decided to port Parasolid to iOS and um, and now it's uh, available in their portfolio as far as i know they are the only application at the moment that is using uh, Parasolid on on iOS and your app predated Parasolid so you had some kind of work around until you got the real deal Parasolid integrated in the way you have it now so we we were running on an open source alternative to Parasolid which is open source, but the uh, but it's open source, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, without further elaborating on mm-hmm. on this. right. So so unfortunately, the the, the quality of, of that component was was a was under our expectations, and and basically we were running on that for for like almost three years. Yeah, but it gave you a good enough start to convince Siemens that this is actually a worthwhile tool to 
invest invest in. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, and and that was, to be honest, that was a game changing moment when we launched Shaper 3D on Paris Solid in in the end of 2017 or early 2018. So by that 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 actually changed everything. So uh, that was uh, un- until then. We were growing very, very slowly. Uh, we were fighting for for survival, and then partially thanks to this uh, new press holiday-based version, we started to grow much faster. Gotcha. Yeah. And have you heard stories from the field and how your app is used in ways other cat apps weren't being used, either because of the difficult learning curve and basically only someone trained in this complex app could use it, or just because the form factor of the iPad being what it is. Oh, absolutely. These are all important factors in the uh, unusual use cases of Shaper. So uh, on our website, uh, we have a we have a lot of these super cool success stories from from non-traditional or about non-traditional use cases. Uh, the latest one that we have uh, just uh, just released, it's, it's a super cool story. It's about uh, a Peruvian guy and his father. Uh, and now they are building affordable housing for uh, poor people in in Peru, and uh, this was and basically Shaper 3D enabled them to uh, to design these houses and and uh, create the technology and for for these uh, new type of homes, and uh, and and that's that's really 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 amazing. Or we have another story about this doctor in uh, in Syria who's who's basically working on rebuilding uh, Aleppo and he's using Shaper 3D. He he actually he used Shaper to design an entire hospital in Syria. And uh, and that's amazing because he has no training in 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 CAD and and actually Shaper allowed him to design an entire hospital and build it right so that's that that was something that i, I that was one of our most moving stories i would say i i, I really love that story it it, it honestly it, it really feels like that we built something that is actually helping people to to make the world a little bit better which mm-hmm. is incredibly rewarding yeah. it's 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 probably it's the most rewarding part of 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 our job. Yeah, and I, I watched a little video from the designer of Encore Lamp, and he described your app as kind of a three D sketchbook. Yeah. You talked about how your app's a bit different from other cat apps, but kind of what's this paradigm of the sketchbook versus what other cat apps are all about? I know you mentioned that two D drawings are more yeah. integral in some of the other apps. So what what are the some of the paradigm differences here? Yeah, so I, I think the most important one is really the the philosophy behind Shaper 3D versus the philosophy behind traditional CAD, and and to understand this difference, you have to understand where traditional CAD comes from. So traditional CAD comes from 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 the early 1990s or 1980s when manufacturing was completely paper based, and and being a being a draftsman. Uh, was a full-time job, and and when you were a draftsman, you basically all you did is is that you sketched two-dimensional drawings on a piece of paper uh, with dimensions and manufacturing information. And whenever something changed in that design, you had to well, often you had to re- redraw the entire thing. And basically, CAD systems in the 1980s or 1990s were designed to automate this process by enabling you to build a three-dimensional model that you can update. And when you update that model, 
the associated two-dimensional drawings will update automatically with that change. Mm-hmm. This was basically the problem that that originally that that three D CAD systems were were aiming to solve, and uh, and this basically explains why and how. 3D CAD ended up where it is today. While Schaefer 3D took a completely different approach, and we're not really we were not really trying to solve that problem from from day one. Of course, now we have drawings, and now we can create manufacturing documentation with Shaper. But but what we were focusing on was really the design process, the 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 ideation process, the sketching process, how the the the, the early stages of the design, the iteration process, how you come up with a new idea, right? And uh, this was, of course, enabled by the by the pencil interaction. This was, of course, enabled by the form factor of the iPad, um, and it was largely enabled by by how we were thinking about product design in general and how we were thinking about redesigning basically the entire three D modeling experience for for twenty twenty one. Because we, we we firmly believe that basically everything has changed in the last 30 years. Our computers have changed, the way how we work has changed, uh, the way how we design products have changed. Everything has changed, but CAD is really the same and CAD was really designed for the world of the 1990s. And basically what we do is we are trying to identify these changes and and build just a 10x better product for 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 this completely different world. Gotcha. Yeah. And as you export and import from kind of these other CAD apps, is anything lost in that process, or could you go back and forth all day long and you just switch to whatever tool you want to use? Uh, yes, a, a lot is actually uh, get lost, but okay. this 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 is not not a new thing, and and this is basically. I would say like this is one of the biggest issues with CAD since the 1990s. So there are there are technical details. I I, I don't want to go into those, of course, yeah. but some technical details that uh, prevent you to completely transfer information from one CAD system to another. Uh, what is relatively straightforward or or a bit easier to transfer is the geometry itself. So uh, exchanging just geometry between two CAD systems is is fairly easy and it works seamlessly with Shaper actually. Um, But transferring other information can be be tough or impossible. So I I would say that we are just as compatible with any other CAD system um, with those CAD systems are compatible with each other. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you Shaper 3D for the first part of your project, then finalizations, if you need to do that uh, elsewhere, but not back and forth all the time. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, we, we do see actually that happening as well. So mm-hmm. Shaper uh, is a so-called direct modeling tool that that uh, means that we are pretty good at working with imported data as well, which is a pretty... Yeah, pretty uh, powerful feature actually of of our our product, but uh, yeah, it's it's probably it's not the most ideal workflow. Yeah, so uh, the hobby version, the you know middle tier of the app, allows you to import images. Is this done to help you have those within the app for reference, kind of like drawing over an existing object? Yes, yes, As, that's that's particularly useful for reverse engineering, for example, or or when you just you know just want to want to have a reference uh, for your design. Yes, so it's basically it it really just what 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 uh, what you would expect. So you can have an image in your design. Okay, and then the business version, the top end version. 
uh, works with 2D imports, so 2D drawings. Are yes. people, you know, using, you know, other apps on the iPad to do vector drawings that are 2D, then kind of integrating those in the Shaper 3D or... Where do you find most of these two D drawings come from? Yeah, so so two D drawings. Uh, when we when we talk about two D drawings, these mean manufacturing drawings. So these are, uh, and we, we can create these manufacturing drawings and export them, and and also we can import them in DWG or DXF format. So the the purpose of these uh, drawings is really this is the actual documentation for manufacturing. So this is what what traditional CAD systems try to automate the generation of these uh, of these drawings. And those get generated from other CAD apps, not necessarily just drawing vector apps that you're just uh, using. Well, both, so both use cases exist, of mm-hmm. course. So, um, for example, we are soon going to deliver SVG export. Uh, that is a highly requested feature. It's a uh, SVG export and import. So that's uh, something that uh, that is super useful for, even for hobbyist users, for CNC milling, for example, for woodworkers. That's a, that's a very typical use case. Uh, we are also seeing these highly unusual use cases where graphics designers who have no 3D experience are using Shaper and, for example, exporting from Adobe Illustrator uh, vector graphical files and and importing it, it to Shaper. So th- the, the interesting thing about CAD is that every CAD system has an extremely horizontal user base from, from woodworking to mechanical engineering. Uh, and Shaper on the top of that is expanding the market. So we have even more use cases. So I would say that every single feature that we have has a million different use cases. And uh, something that I saw the guys had uh, fairly recently was a rather important part of the design iteration of sharing your design with your team. And unique to iPad OS and iOS is this AR kit that works really great on these LiDAR equipped iPads and the iPhones that now have them. How does this work? And is there a way to kind of email an AR file to load it up on an iPhone with a team member that's remote or? Yes. At, at, at the moment that, that is, that is your, your best option simply to email or, or, or send over a, a cloud service, a USDZ file. So yes. So in, in, in Shaper, we have a built-in AR viewer that is the uh, system system provided uh, AR viewer, but we can also export USDZ files that you can open on an iPhone or an iPad, even even on other ones. So for just for viewing, you don't need the lighter uh, version of of the iPad. You can mm-hmm. just simply use the uh, any iPhones or iPads. How'd this uh, idea come to fruition? Did you guys you know see it as an option and saw? that it made sense for the kind of app that you guys are creating? So I, I was super excited when, <laughs> when, when Apple announced it, obviously. Uh, so I think it's, uh, many AR applications are, to be honest, are just, just gimmicks. But right. in our case, it's a, it's a really useful presentation tool that is actually helping you to understand your designs better. So what we are seeing is that uh, the way how our customers are using Shaper's AR functionality is uh, there are two different use cases, two main use cases. The, the first one is that when you want to show your client how how your design would look like in the real world, like you design a, a table 
and and you want to showcase it to your customer or we have this customer who is designing choppers and he designed a new tire for his chopper and he was able to view it in AR and and actually place it to the chopper in AR and compare it with the with the old tire so it 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 has amazing practical use cases and the other other use case that that uh, we are seeing from Thing for for augmented reality is simply the uh, uh, simply when, when you want to validate your your design for yourself, which is a, a bit like the use case I mentioned with the chopper. Uh, when when you want to have a feeling how how your what is the size of your design, how it would compare to a physical object, and you can compare those objects next to each other, which is an amazing experience and actually helps you to better understand what you have designed. Yeah, like with the lamp draw with the lamp, for example, that we talked about earlier, you could literally see that on a table you're thinking of and is this too big or too small for that table? And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it helps you with understanding your own design a lot it's an it's an incredible experience actually yeah because i can imagine people adjusting the the lengths and things depending on how it how it looks in the real world compared to what they thought look yeah 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 yeah. Um, it's kind of like uh composition software of musicians that are composing that are imagining things in their head but maybe it's not that way when the musician performs it and they have to make adjustments there exactly so um, anything else about iPad, CAD drawings, or Shaper 3D that we haven't covered that you'd like to before we wrap it up? Oh, I guess a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, if we have enough time for that. So, uh, uh, so no, I don't think so. Uh, I think this was quite uh, exciting and uh, fairly complete. Yeah, I learned quite a bit. I'm excited uh, for everyone to kind of dig into Shaper 3D as you can as a free download. Uh, so where can people find more information about uh, your application? So it's uh, it's our website, shaper3d.com or in the App Store or uh, check out our Instagram page uh, that is also Shaper 3D app. Uh, we have 300,000 followers and we are quite active on social media. So uh, uh, And of course, in the application itself. Yeah, and do you have a community? Uh, people are sharing designs. You can actually load up uh, some designs. Other people that have spent countless hours in it to just see the power of what your app can do. Uh, absolutely. So we have a we have a fairly active community uh, on our website, uh, or you can just directly go to discourse.shaper3d.com and uh, and check out our community. Uh, we have a lot of amazingly helpful and active people there who are happy to help you with. Uh, any issues you may have and i'm i'm also quite active on 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 the forum excellent well thank you so much for your time today it's been wonderful learning more about shaper 3d it was great to uh to talk with you and thanks for having me well that was my interview with ishtaban my thanks to him for his time recording this interview and make sure to check out shaper3d.com to learn more and download it today for free in the app store to get started and really i'd recommend downloading it the tutorials alone are worth checking out just to see what a great app onboarding process is like it's really great thank you for your time and attention tuning into this episode get the episodes early and with chapter markers at patreon.com slash ipad pros my heartfelt thanks to everyone that supports the podcast there on patreon thanks for listening and i'll talk to everyone again real soon